This is a show. This is Imagination Revolution UBI, and my name is Corey Doty, and you are listening to this show that I do that is all about asking the question, if all your basics were covered, what would your life look like? What would you do? And uh, I'm joined today by Ray Lance. Do you want to introduce yourself? I don't know what things feel important to introduce for you in this context, so I'll leave it to you. Great. Thank you for having me, Corey. Dodi. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> the imagine re- Imagination Revolution. Um, I'm Rhea Lance. I use she, they pronouns. I'm going to orient you to where I am. Awesome. I am on Treaty 7. This is the land of the Blackfoot Confederacy, um, Sutina Nation, the Métis. This land is known as Mokinsis, which is colonially known as Calgary, Alberta, in Canada. I am so happy to be here and see your face. (laughs) Oh yeah, we have faces. Yes. Thank you for reminding um, me. I got all hung up in watching the dots of things. Yes. Yeah. They're distracting those dots. They are. I prefer your face, though. I know that it. I know that it's recording, and I should go back every once in a while and just save it. Um, so I will. I will do that. But mostly, I think, yeah, faces. Uh, it's really lovely to see your face. Thanks for telling us where you are currently do you want to tell more about who you are in relation to where you are currently oh yes um i am algonquin quay quay in um the algonquin language means femme um i am originally from uh the ottawa Ottawa Valley. It's complicated when I think about that because I've been in Alberta since 1995. Um, That's a while. It's a while. Like it doesn't seem like it was like, oh, that was just like five years ago. No, it wasn't. No, the grasslands (laughs) are now part of my shaping. Yeah. The prairie is definitely part of my shaping. Um, Yeah, so I've been in Alberta since 1995. And I graduated high school in 2000, so I've been on the other side of adulthood for 23 years. I have mostly been self-employed during that time. Um, You know, I worked for Mac Cosmetics for six to eight years and did a lot of freelance. So I did a lot of makeup artistry. In 2005, I had the opportunity to train with Robin Cosio who's a brow guru out of Los Angeles. And so I use her method um, when I'm training eyebrows. I'm like an eyebrow trainer. (laughs) It's like a lion tamer for your face. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, and then during the pandemic, I wasn't touching faces. You know, this wasn't even available Mm -hmm. to me. Um, so I, several times during the pandemic, I think there was five 
year two of the pandemic where I had to shut down my home business. Um, and so financially, um, that put a lot of strain on my household. Uh-huh. So I, at the time, uh, was in a partnership of 13 years. And so, um, you know, the resources were shared in that relationship. And that made it okay for a time. Like, okay, I can focus on school. Mm-hmm. So I focused on uh, going back to school, and that's how I met you. So we are both attending Institute for the Study of Somatic Sex Education. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess what I'm doing right now is complicated to what I will be doing. I'm sort of in the liminal space right now. Uh-huh. Um, as I'm studying, I'm working freelance for a cosmetic company and also part-time with uh, Lush Cosmetics, which has been uh, very fun. Great group of queers working there. And, yeah, I'm just... Uh, seeing what's going to emerge for the next year for me. Since we're only 19 days into 2023. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so maybe, can you give me like a brief painting of this year? But then like, really, I want to hear way more about the like, I don't know where it lives, if it's like five years or 10 years or 20 years in the future, but like this thing that, that your whole, the, tell me about the carrot on your stick. Yes. Okay. Um, I really think that there's a lot of wisdom in spaciousness. And so this question that you asked, what would life look like if all my basic needs were covered? Instantly, my body felt this sort of release of tension that is held from other people's ideals around what I need to do to create the conditions for my own needs to be met, just basic needs to be met. And so really what it makes me think about is if all my needs are met, I'm going to have more spaciousness. And having more spaciousness allows for more intentionality. So I have more time to create conditions where pleasure can emerge, for example. Yeah. So, you know, I can have day sex, maybe. Fuck yeah. Or... You know, this is this is really an underexplored <laughs> topic on this show so far. Is like, <laughs> if we don't have to be wage slaves, we can have more day sex. That's that's a big motivator, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> yeah. So... Thank you, Rhea, for bringing that to the podcast. Someone needed to do it. Yeah, you know, like I'm going to be less dependent on the external world to provide for me capital. Yeah, because I'm not going to be overly dependent on having a job that creates that capital. So maybe I have more spaciousness to be available for, you know, whatever wisdom emerges without the constructs of needing to make capital. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, right now I feel like I'm putting a lot of energy into like the continuation of systems that cause harm. And I am wanting to dismantle those systems. 
but I'm also exhausted from the four jobs that I've had over the last year and a half, you know? Yeah. And also to add to that, I feel like, um, you know, I would have more time to metabolize heartbreak. You know, I feel like this last nearly three years of having to resource wrangle and um, tend to what is the pandemic has limited my ability to metabolize my grief. Yeah. And the heartbreak that comes with not seeing people, breakups, um, things that came... um, the transformation of having to survive a pandemic Mm. and i feel like our nervous systems would be more rested you know if i have to work at eight i have to be up at maybe 6 30. and if i'm listening to my body it's very likely that i'm probably going to get nine to ten hours of sleep you know if available But those things don't necessarily add up. Yeah. 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 So in the future, um, you know, if what's if, your what's your ideal like when you have all the space? What time do you wake up and what time do you go to bed? Do you know what that is? I'm like nine to nine. So if I go to bed at nine, I wake up at nine. Nice. I'm a very deep dreamer, mm-hmm. and I think I process a lot of. Um, my healing through dream space. Of course. Yeah. So I don't like anything to interfere with that. Like that's my healing time. <laughs> yeah. So and ideally I, you'd have like a couple more hours in the morning. Yeah. I mean, if I was going to bed at nine, I would slowly wake up at six, maybe seven. I would probably have coffee in bed and just lay there and luxuriate in time because that's really what we're talking about is like yeah the accessibility to more time which creates more spaciousness right totally and you know like when you have all of the space when you have all the choice you could you know you could choose to wake up at five in the morning and go and jump into an ice cold body of water and go for a run or you could choose to go and like put yourself into a project or like stay in bed and like drink coffee and have day sex, all of which (laughs) offer things, right? Like all of those meet someone in some way, but a lot of, I feel like a lot of people don't even know what their preferred unfolding looks like. Yeah, this is... Because we don't, we don't really even get a lot of chance to like think about it let alone try it on you know i think we try it on when we're on vacation a little bit you know and i i think that the pendulum is like a lot of i i've noticed uh like i've lived a life where in terms of like what my lifestyle looks like there's not there's been less and less of an extreme between like work time and not work time um which there's a whole other piece there in terms of like, you know, how domestic labor and care work is like, what, how is that counted and things? Um, 
but I worked the festival circuit for a long time, and so I saw people who would like come to a music festival for their one week of vacation, and like they feel like they have to fit so much in because they're like, I have five days of liberation, and so I'm gonna like go so hard because I'm used to going so hard to keep up that like even in vacation they're like. I gotta make the most of this. And often, you know, I'd see them in harm reduction where they'd be like, I did I did all of these drugs and now they're not working anymore. <laughs> it's like, yes. yeah, like you can't you can't actually expect those drugs to give you their best gifts if you take them all at once without giving enough space. <laughs> yeah. You know, if we restrict sugar or if we restrict alcohol. If we restrict anything, we want it in excess when, you know, we're kind of culturally, we binge anything that's withheld from us. So, yeah, um, this question really sort of, there was a bit of acrobatics for me because I was like, you know, really what we're talking about here is what comes forth when we aren't in struggle. Well, yeah. Yeah. So, I think we're just going to orient towards more community because of the way that we have less focus on our own individualism. Like, I think the mm -hmm. way in which our culture is currently struggling is so much individualism. Mm -hmm. You know, and not enough uh, collective um, motivation. Mm -hmm. Like, I am free so that you can also be free. That's right. And that you will be inspired by seeing my freedom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And getting free yourself, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's sort of like that ripple effect. And so... Yeah, I think futuristically, it's for me, it's about spaciousness, it's about time, it's about less struggle, and it's also about um, how I feel in my body. How is my nervous system? Like, do I have access? What do I have access to in terms of pleasure right now? Yeah. And how can I orient towards more pleasure? Mm hmm. Well, and it, I, I also hear this thread of like quantity over quality. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, like I, I'm not rushing for the deals, you know, like I will save the money to get the good thing and not the thing that's maybe going to be on sale. Mm hmm. Well, you know, that that makes me think of, um, I think it's originally attributed to Terry Pratchett through some thread, but it's this uh, theory about wealth and like that a part of how poverty operates is that like if you're broke, you can only buy the shitty boots, but the shitty boots only last you for a few months. If you have money to buy good boots, like a rich guy has money to buy good boots, those boots will last you a lot longer and ultimately they cost less money. Yeah. Um, it's about longevity, right? Yeah. 
it's about what's sustainable. Like, is this going to benefit me in the long haul? How is this going to impact my mental health? If mm-hmm. I, you know, how many hours do I have to work to pay for those boots? Yeah. You know? And, and, and like, what did, what did those hours take from me? Uh, the person that you wrote, that you sent me a link about. Vicky um, Robbins. Vicky Robbins, yeah. So I was reading some of the, like, breakdown stuff on the your money or your life and sort of the, the encouragement to, like, actually do the math of, like, what the, what the real impact of your job is um, outside of just, like, what your take-home pay is. And I, I feel like that's a really interesting piece that, you know, I've definitely thought of for myself in, like, leaving leaving certain kinds of work and being like mm, yeah the money looks good and also like everything that it comes with it's not worth it you well know? it impacts our ability to access care oftentimes right like if i want to have a dental appointment i've got to book off a day of work oftentimes because dentists work monday to friday mm-hmm. nine to five right and most folks uh, work those hours. Um, yeah, you have to kind of book time to access care even. And so that's having us endure not accessing care because we don't have the time to, and we need the job that pays us the benefits to get the care. It's kind of, it's its own, uh, struggle cycle really. Totally. And it, it's one of those things that to me seems very, uh, it's unnecessarily complicated. Like, I don't know. I, I lived in Denmark for a year as a teenager and there were certain things about that experience where I saw just enough of like a slightly different social democracy structure and how their school system worked and how their healthcare system worked to sort of like expose some of the cracks in ours. Um, where like, I feel like most often we look at how healthcare related benefits and like accessing care happens in Canada compared to the U S and it's like between those two things, like it's really easy for us to be like, Oh yeah, our system's great. It works awesome comparatively. But then if you compare it to parts of the world that actually have like more robust healthcare structures where like, yeah, your, your dental is included. And of course you get paid time off to go to the dentist. Um, you know, those, those kinds of things that are just like a given, then you're like, why, why don't we do that? Like, yeah. Why isn't dental coverage like mandated across the board like who is it or what is it that's getting in the way of that because like it's not even that there haven't been movements for it like there have people have been organizing for dental care it's been on the like you know at the national debate level for years but we're still there i'm guessing it's because private insurance companies make a lot of fucking money exactly and also what we could talk about the social structure of places like Denmark and Finland and how those folks are like world renowned, the happiest people. So 
why aren't we looking to our own cracks and looking at where other countries are filling those cracks? Like, politically speaking, and how we're organizing. Um, we need to emerge somehow. I mean, it's real, this climate crisis that we're living, um, you know, and we're going to be forced towards community living. We're going to mm -hmm. be forced. I mean, I don't know what the average rental cost will be for 2023, but in, in Calgary and Mokinsis, I think last year the climb was, it's an ex exorbitant um, percentage of increase. Mm -hmm. I think maybe in the $1,400 price range, average rent for, you know, a home. Yeah. Come on. Um, yeah, and I think, I think we're looking at a hoarding of resources. Like, it's oh, very yeah. obvious. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Okay, so I want to hear I want to hear the Ray Lance version. How do we? Um, what does it look like past private property ownership rental crisis? Like, okay, so if we're if we have a, either a community, whether you want to tell me about like what it looks like in your home community, or like if you have like a national vision, but like, what does it look like when we're actually securely housed and people are like. Are there, the human right of having access to housing is taken care of. What, it, what does it look like in your imagination? Yeah, so the top of the iceberg. <laughs> I'll just focus on myself, like sure. on my own. Like we'll just zone in on what I would create. I mean, ultimately, I like cohabitation. Are these people that are sharing the same value system as me? Can we sit down and have a big meal together? Um. Yeah, I think cohabitation would certainly be a high-profile thing that I would um, see as being long-term, like a long-term solution to the housing crisis, um, and for myself as well. Like, I thrive in community. Um, I like to be in spaces where my worth and value is reflected back to me you know, mm -hmm. and if I can choose those people based on, you know, um, well, let's be honest, their queerness, um, you know, if they're part of, I don't know, how many times have you eaten mushrooms? That'll qualify you to be in this community. <laughs> like, <laughs> Which, I mean, I feel like maybe people who don't have those personal experiences and feel initially bummed or left out I, how I understand either one of those criteria is that like you have taken enough of a look at yourself and the world around you to not just be taking everything for granted are you self-actualized yeah you know are you are you doing the work to to um create conflict that can be resolved you know, like we're not trying to avoid conflict in this space, but we definitely want to um, reach a place together uh, where we can cohabitate, you know? Yeah. So I, I have always had this dream of having like, I spent a bit of time in Nelson, BC, and there were always these old Victorians. Mm -hmm. And... This was before weed was legal, but that's okay. Um, I was, you know, packing cigarettes 
cigarette packs with um, toothpick-sized joints. Mm -hmm. And I'd be walking around Nelson, and I'd be like, yeah, I want to have dance parties every weekend. I want to live in a Victorian. I want a dungeon in the basement so that folks can access some kink if they need. I want a bunch of queers that are coming in and out. Like, essentially the San Francisco dream. You know, where it's like, you're going to go see Rhea for somatic sex education. She has all the tools in her old Victorian that she lives in with four gay men and three babies. (laughs) (laughs) I like this vision. Yeah. In, In Nelson specifically, or that was just where it came to you? I think a lot of my inspiration in my 20s um, came from packing joints and walking around and just being like, yeah, like, why not? Why can't I own a Victorian with six rooms in it? And, you know, everyone is safe and living there and dwelling there and thriving there. And um, they have access to all their needs, access to care. I mean, my own utopian just started from walking around, smoking weed in Nelson, and looking at all the old Victorians and being like, yeah, that's what's going to happen. I'm going to end up living in an old Victorian, wherever that may be, probably very likely by a body of water. There's definitely a dungeon in the basement. Like, um, yeah, my nervous system is rested, (laughs) you know. Um, and I'm not, I'm less dependent on the external world. I'm dependent on the external world to reflect back to me my worth and value. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just going to surround myself with people who aren't going to challenge my mental health. You know, like, <laughs> I'm going to have more choices. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think that spaciousness, that more time availability is just going to allow for me to be also more creative, more artistic, see more art, have the opportunity to um, collaborate on art pieces. Like giving birth to art is very much like a birthing process. Like Mm -hmm. you need time to sit with what it is that you're trying to give birth to. And you know what? Sometimes a month isn't enough, but you have maybe access to grant money and there's pressure around, um, you know, we need to know how much work you've, you've uh, like produced because your timeline is crunching mm-hmm. and um, all of those things that I would have creative control. Mm-hmm over what I'm producing into the world, whether it's writing pieces or, you know, I do traditional beadwork. Traditional beadwork, like, you know, a pair of earrings can take eight to ten hours, depending on what style of beadwork you're doing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I would just pour all of me into what will emerge that will be medicine and hold space for that instead of, okay, I've got to go to the job you know, to collect capital that then I can pay rent with as well as food. Right. And then maybe if you are very careful about it or intentional about it, then maybe you might have time to like fit a little medicine in. 
yeah, for so, a treat. Exactly. <laughs> so a lot of financiers, um, and I mean, I had a few in my in-laws. There was a few financial planners, and you know, the the stream is the same. It's like if you have, if you're making capital, regardless of where you're making it, if it's through cryptocurrency, if it's through a bonus at work, if it's through your hourly wage, ultimately you're dividing that money into thirds is kind of what is the sort of, um, I guess, long, longitudinal plan that, you know, financially free people have. So essentially you're taking a third of whatever it is that you're bringing in towards your past, a third towards your present and a third towards your future. So whatever it is that you make, I mean, I just like did a rough draft of what I made after taxes last year, and it was just shy of $25,000. Like, that's yeah. a poverty line. And I have, you know, $1,000 worth of rent, and maybe <laughs> my average food cost is $500. So that's just presently what I need to contribute to living. Yeah. Now my future needs a third of that, which I can't contribute to. And my past, which might be debts, needs a third of that, right? So, I mean, yeah, that's a great longitudinal longevity plan from, like, you know, commerce. <laughs> yeah, nice work but, if you can get it. Like, But if you don't have access to doing that, what are the options? Like, you know, I feel like homelessness is real right now. Yeah. Um, it feels like it's circling around. And um, I think that is really pointing to, it's pointing to our deficiencies. But from a community, like this is a community issue. This is... Um, what we're needing to, if we can't access basic needs, um, it's the problem of the system, you know, the system isn't working. Right, yeah. Well, and so much of how this system operates is attempts to say like, oh, that's every, every person for themselves and sort of like silo things off. But then... Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't add up. And I find myself saying this all the time of like, even if the conservatives were motivated by uh, what's the cheapest, then we would have like, for example, dental care or like, you know, we wouldn't be having the same sort of like criminalization of the drug war instead of like, you know actually preventing people from dying things like that that like this isn't about what's cheaper because it's much cheaper to like support people to maintain housing than it is to like police people in parks and be like you know having people in shelters that shit's way more expensive yeah and violence is really created from people not being able to have agency over yeah. themselves like, they don't have agency. They have no access to care. They're not self-sovereign. So, you know, you're creating this cycle. And as far as, like, a harm reduction standpoint, um, 
it doesn't just take one person. It takes a collective organizing around how do we reduce harm? Yeah. You know, we have a lot of, like we have an opioid crisis, we have a fentanyl crisis. We're, you know, um, going into a food crisis. We're going into a housing crisis. Um, in and... my utopian world, in my Victorian. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, the Victorian is more like, what you might imagine from like the Adams family, like okay, oh yeah, so I, that's <laughs> totally what I visualized. <laughs> like Nelson is the town, and Rhea lives up there, like in the Victorian that looks seemingly like it belongs in the town. But then you get a little closer to the gate, and you actually don't want to go in because <laughs> it might be dog. a little bit haunted. <laughs> Yeah. I've visited that house for sure. I think one of <laughs> one of my partners used to live in that house. Um, Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I um I know Nelson quite well, so. Nice. Yeah. And for for a, a time I had a farmhouse about an hour away that was like my place where I lived with between one and seven other people and it wasn't like a towny victorian house but it was like a a hundred year old farmhouse yeah and that was yeah that was sort of my my dream for a long time was i was like okay yeah i'm gonna like go and move to the country and grow food and make babies and i did all of that um also, I have ADHD, so I was like, this isn't satisfying the same anymore because I, like, got it. I need to keep wanting. I need, yes. There needs to be, like, a process of desiring and moving towards that. Um, and also, you know, like, there was violence and, like, things, you know, turned sour in a relationship and, you know, like... Keeping space from someone in a village of 300 is, like, not easily done. Yeah. Um, so, and, you know, since then, I've become more urban largely because that's where I access care and that's where my family accesses care and the care that we have been accessing is not available in smaller places. You know, like, if you live in a smaller place and you need cancer treatment, you, you got to travel here, so... Um, you know, this is, this is the place to be. Um, but also like, you know, I have a unit in geared to income subsidized housing and I'm on disability. So in a lot of ways I do have that freedom. And so this is the, like, you know, I want to use that to like, I would like to see that open up for more people. You know, I, I don't want it to be something that, um, you know, the process of getting designated as a person with disabilities is different from province to province. So I don't, I can't speak to what it's like in Alberta. My understanding is that it's a lot worse than it is in, in BC. Um, but that it's like, it's very heavy handed and stigmatizing and disempowering in such a way that like, it sort of takes the opposite skills or it takes like subjecting yourself to the opposite of what it takes to survive without it. Like, yeah. you know, you have to demonstrate how helpless you are 
in order to access help. And I so I think that like one of the one of the things in in my dream of like, well, yeah, help is just universally available. You don't have to prove that you need it. Then it eliminates this layer of shame where like I don't want to have to go through the trouble of getting help. Like if you know that you just can, it's already there. It's already in your bank account. Then that's right. There's like one one less layer of shame in order towards moving to what is it that you desire? You know, what is it that you need? Yeah. And we're living inside of systems that are upheld by our disconnect our disconnection to our bodies. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you are already coming into a system that, you know, unless you're able bodied to work at a place that requires you to stand for eight hours, right? Um, then you're having to explain, okay, well, I, I can work or negotiate. Maybe not explain. Maybe you're having to negotiate, which is creating your own vulnerability, but also from like an employee standpoint because of the way that they're trained to filter out folks who you know, um, well, are they going to call in sick a lot? Well, are we going to have to have them on short-term disability? Yeah. Well, Is it going to do our company and undo harm in order to have them employed? Like, yeah, is this person going to go on mat leave? Like, exactly. things that are, like, technically not really legal, but, like, <laughs> do they happen in practice? A hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and of course you should be calling in sick to work. You know what I mean? Like, oh my we, God, everyone <laughs> needs to call in to sick, like call in sick as much as you are, as much as you can get away with. Absolutely. And, and from the place of like, I need to access care and that's not available to me in the workplace, which means I can't be there. Like, for example, if I need to go to the dentist and you're not going to allot me that time off, let's just say as an example, then I'm going to have to call in sick because I need to access care. Yeah. Yeah. And well, so, and it's, it's a dangerous game. You know, I'm like, yes, do it as much as possible. But it's a dangerous game where like people do end up in a, in a position where they're like, I don't have any time left and I'll just lose my job altogether, but I have to, you know, I have to stay home. And I'm like, you know, it's shitty. Also, I do kind of miss the beginning of COVID when people were like staying home if they were sniffly, like public school with the kindergartner is like such a germ pit anyways. And yeah, was I like grumpy about being home with my kid for half of last school year? Sometimes. But, like, would that have been better if the kids were still masking? Like, yeah, like, it was in the first half of the year. There's so many things we were doing right at the beginning that sort of fell away. Yeah. And I, I almost went three years without getting COVID. And when I got it, Corey, like, I was quadruple vaxxed at the point that I got it. And I was knocked out. For 10 days. Fuck. Yeah. And my employer gave me five days of those 10 
um, knowing that I would need that time with the illness. Mm -hmm. But I had to extend that time. And luckily enough, throughout the year, I didn't need to use my wellness time. But, you know, now it's December and the sick time doesn't renew until January. You know what I mean? So had I needed 10 days off previous to, you know, having to use them to say go to the dentist, for example, yeah, it would have been more of the mess that it ended up being, I feel like. Yeah. But I was also working in a retail structure where Christmas is the busiest. So it's not like we had an abundant uh, available staff or, um, yeah, like, you know, it's like, okay, now we're short one of our staff during the busiest time of our capitalist you know and you know the the alternative being like yeah come in and work and give like four thousand people covid when you interact <laughs> with them like that's what that's what's on the line right like we're like we can't afford it we're short staffed and it's like so every person who comes into the mall then is like that's what we exchange for like how much, how important is it that we sell makeup, like, that much, <laughs> you know, like? What are we doing? What are we actually doing? Like, what, is this, this is what we call reality, yeah. you know? Is this, the, the whole, like, question about essential service, like, I feel like when I was reading that thing um, you sent about your friend Jeff, who did a year of not Buy buying nothing. things. Yeah. Um that I was thinking about how, like, in a lot of ways, that was kind of my lifestyle for the first, like, two-plus years of COVID. Because, like, I didn't want to go out to anything. I, I even still, I'm like, I'm going to a sober dance party at the end of this month, and I think it might be the first time. I don't know how many people will be there, but it may be the first time I've been in a room of more than 20 people amazing um in you know three years which like I think I also ha have over that time like figured out that well I stopped drinking yeah good for you and Same. um it's been two years for me yeah I'm like two years and two months oh um, see we should be dancing together yeah <laughs> but you know I'm like there's that, and also I've realized that, like, maybe I'm on the autism spectrum in a way that I hadn't recognized before, where I'm like, what does it mean to be in a big group of people? Like, how do I, do I want that? Will it feel good? Like, what is it about being in, like, big groups of people or big crowds? Um, like, how do I relate to that? I feel like I'm starting from scratch. Um, yeah, so with being in a room with that many people you're just gonna have to drop into your body and see well how luckily it's feel. a dance party right and this is this is the thing where i'm like uh i mean i'll just be dancing and that that's, that's always been easy for me um truth be told some of my more social like outings in larger groups have been dance parties and you know you can have full agency over your own spaciousness in those so great yeah. it's gonna be great yeah and if it's not guess what you get to leave exactly exactly i love i love that it's like starting at eight thirty, 
and <laughs> I'll still be I in totally... bed by midnight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna show up. Uh, I'll be on uh, Lekwungen territory in uh, I don't know. I think a flight's what two hours. <laughs> yeah, I can be there pretty quick. <laughs> All right, I'll just I'll, invite myself. I'll send you the link. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> uh, oh, I need the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe the hope is San Francisco. I mean, I as an Algonquin Quay, uh, I hold Bound membership. So ultimately, if I wanted to create a life that was borderless and potentially live in a state like California because that should be the only state in my humble opinion. Like, <laughs> I mean, it feels like the only state that's uh, upholding, uh, you know, abortion rights. So, yeah, um, I don't know. I'm playing with a couple of ideas around would I move to the West Coast? Would I potentially... Um, game community in the future that would have some longevity mm-hmm. and would be celebratory in the ways that I am queer and also um, how good would a move like that be for my mental health, you know? So when I think about a year from now even, I'm like, I don't know what Mokinsis, what Treaty 7, what Calgary wants from me. I don't know how much more I can have emerge out of me in a landlocked province. Mm -hmm. And I want the land to shape me differently. And so I think the ocean is, whether it's the Atlantic or Pacific, I feel like that might be a good thing for my body to be immersed in going Mm -hmm. forward. And potentially, it could also be a river that I could dip my toe in in August. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's hopefully not polluted with algae and... um, I mean, algae doesn't bother me. No, but it's, it's often indicative of something else, right? It's like indicative of a system out of balance. And I, yeah. I feel like ultimately like what you're describing is like a very balanced life, right? Where you are in relationship with your body and the people you share housing with and the people who you work with and community in a way that feels balanced. So it makes sense that it would like exist within an ecosystem that also feels balanced, right? Like I, I think that that's part of the the colonial myth of like what we are striving for that is so fucked right and is like what leads us into this climate crisis death cult shit right is that like we're not we're not thinking about our balance in relationship to the system balance we're also disconnected from our bodies so Ultimately, when we come back to our body, we're going to come back to the land. Yeah. Yeah. Like, when, you're, when you are consciously aware of, like, what comes in and goes out, then, like... Everything that you yeah. notice is happening in nature. And it's also happening in your body. Yeah. Can you tell a story about something that 
uh, nature or your body or the relate that something you've learned recently about that? Oh, okay. Not to put you on the spot or anything, but. Well, I've really been playing with this idea of arrows, like where arrows, because of the work that we're doing with somatic yeah. sex ed, I'm very curious about arrows and where arrows can be outside of how I'm relating sexually with other bodies. And so, you know, I'm a big fan of Annie Sprinkle. Mm -hmm. Annie, Annie Sprinkle has been um, claimed herself to be an eco-sexualist, an eco-sexual eco individual. So I like this term because it allows for us to be held by the earth in a way that is also inviting arrows into the space and enticing that aliveness. So in nature, I feel my most sensory experiences are heightened. So if I'm looking at the mountain range, I'm like, oh, look at, look at how the light is hitting. Look at what I'm seeing right now. You know, if I'm out in the mountains, I'm smelling freshness. Maybe it's just the melting of snow or it's the wind. Um, you know, I'm feeling the sun on my face. And so I'm, I'm more in relationship and probably more able to surrender when I'm in nature because I'm receiving in a way that I don't have to give back. It's giving me all of this sensory sensual experience and i'm not really having to give back yes i'm living in reciprocity you know i'm um reverend to what is naturally occurring but as far as like control i don't control the sun coming up or going down right it's just this natural process um and so i think about what that says about my own ability to receive and my own ability to receive pleasure even in my body. And I think that I'm coming to this place in nature where I feel held, like I'm newly single for an example. And everyone's like, well, well if you could find something that you wanted, very similarly to your own question, like if you could live a life without needing to make capital and all your needs were met um essentially in relationship like if i was in um an emerging relationship i actually want to feel like the earth is holding me mm -hmm. that i can surrender like i imagine you know sitting at the beach and looking at the water like i'm not even thinking about time in that space i'm being held like I can feel my sit bones when I'm sitting at the beach and maybe I'm reading a book or maybe I'm literally often 90% of my beach time is like looking at the water <laughs> and sometimes if there's kids running around I'm like hyper aware of those kids being around the water not always but sometimes so yeah I I think I think that it's being in reciprocity and allowing the land to shape me 
and also being reverent to it. Like, how am I contributing to this moment? How am I protecting this moment? Um, as part of being in relationship to it, right? In a similar way to how you're in relationship with anyone. Like, I'm going to protect your wounding. You know, I'm going to um, reflect back to you your worth and value. Yeah. I Adding me to your life is hopefully going to make your life neutral or better. <laughs> so in a similar way in nature, um, that's, that's sort of... I guess the expansion and contraction that I'm hoping for. Yeah. Well, and I, I like the way that you describe it as like being in relationship with versus like having a relationship of attempted control. Cause I feel like we started the conversation talking about, you know, yeah, like having four jobs and like how do you how do you make all of the pieces go where they need to go so that you can make it work and and then this, you know, like coming to the other side of like okay, well yeah, the things will be in the relationship that they are and I'm not trying to control them. I'm not trying to curate them, but I'm also not feeling like I'm being controlled. Right? Like that we're just we're doing like just being <laughs> it doesn't have to be a whole thing and you know we when it comes to relationship control actually is the opposite of connection right so i don't i want whatever's going to emerge in nature to emerge i'm not going to look at a sunset and be like ah it should be more orange on the left <laughs> Why is it going down so quickly? Like, it is what it is. And mm -hmm. I am witnessing it and being present to it. And in being present and witnessing, you are a part of the... Exp like, it's, you know, the whole, like, if a tree falls, like... <laughs> right? Like, okay. the sun is always going down, but, like... <laughs> the experience of the sunset is different because you had it. Sure. Yeah. Like it, yeah. You showed up for it and you participated in it. And so that sunset is different than like it just comes and goes and no one notices. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, the sun doesn't care, though. Like it, does, it doesn't yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter to the sun if you show up or not. But I feel like the, especially when we're talking about, like, the, the collective energy of what's happening and the experience of, like, where, where we're at and what is challenging us and what's nurturing us, like, the fact that you show up to notice the sunset and how that informs you also informs your relationship with everything else. Absolutely. Yeah, you're being more mindful. Yeah. You know? Like, your, your sensitivity is increased because you have that savoring time. I, so over the last almost year, I feel like we started sort of in the spring. Um, Jess DeVries and I have, like, a, we send each other a picture of the sunset, like, every day that there is one. And I think okay. it's it started sort of because um, 
it was smoky in Portland, and there, so there was no sun, there was no sunset. And so I took a picture of the sunset, and then we started doing this back and forth, and it's become a, this really interesting ritual where, like, if it was just me for myself to, like, I'm going to show up for that, I probably would have given it up a long time ago, right? right. Because I would have, like, gotten in, and yeah, we get into things, we pick them up, they fall away, right? And that's, that's normal, it's to be expected. But the way that we can, like, build ritual and, like, connection over those things, then it adds a layer of accountability to it, too, right? Where it's, like, I'm participating in my well-being, not just for my sake, but because I know that my well-being is in relationship to other people's well-being as well, you know? Yeah. Yes. I like that. Good. Um, do you have great practice? (laughs) Yeah, I, I like it. Um, this being sort of this, the start of the year, do you have, are you like a resolution type of person? Do you have things, new systems that you are trying to introduce for this year for yourself? I would say I'm more of like a revolution rather than resolution. Yeah. You know, and I think embodiment is the revolution. Excellent. So I'm, I'm going with that. I definitely want to be less seduced by capitalism. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to lean more into my sobriety, um, whatever that means, however it shows up. If it's fasting, if it's, you know, a continuation of not drinking. Um, yeah, I want to have those sober moments where I'm actually fully feeling and being present in the moment. I don't know about travel this year outside of school, but I would like to take some pleasure trips, you know, whether that's camping or taking a flight to Mexico City is one of my favorite places. And I, since the pandemic started, have been trying to get there again. Um, You know, Mexico City has one of the largest art collections, like outside of London, Mm -hmm. UK. So I'm really into art. I love going to see art. Um, And yeah, I want to be in just the continuation of holding space for myself and seeing what emerges. Like I will obviously create the best conditions where pleasure can emerge or where embodiment can emerge. yeah, um, I think that's kind of where I'm at for 2023. You know, it's like it sounds like I pretty, could get a call, clear, and good. you know, I could potentially be. I, I don't even know. Like last year, I didn't necessarily know that I would be where I'm at, so I'm not really holding anything. Um, I'm not really holding anything to a firm boundary. The, I, I did a like New Year's um, workshop thing with, um, with these folks out of Portland, and I don't remember their name right now, but I will remember it and like put it in the show notes. And one of the ways that they sort of explained um, 
this like collaging thing that they were facilitating was like to be clear on your intention and open on your attention in this way that like it sounds like you have really clear ideas of like what it is that is like the root like yeah you're you know you're going to be in your body you're going to facilitate pleasure and connection like those things are clear and your ability to have a really open attention where like where that happens or how that happens like still has a lot of flexibility and i mean i i love that because i feel like can you just say it one more time for me yeah to to be clear on your intention and open on your attention all right um i cory cory doty i'm writing this down (laughs) I mean, I'm going to maybe listen to the show, but I'm probably going to just write this. <laughs> okay, well, so th- this is, like, some the way that someone else said it, and I'm going to, like, bring it back to a way that I have sort of explained it before, too, which is I have observed this as a facilitator. I feel like the same is true in in kink. The same is true in any time that you want something to change, any time that, like, things are going to be transforming, if you're if that's learning or that's, like that what is being balanced is like structure and flexibility, right? So if we don't have enough of a container, then we will generally, particularly, you know, people with trauma histories, we will bring our own container. Like we, we will set up the like rigidity that needs to happen. If it isn't there for us, if it isn't held, if we aren't building it intentionally, it's just going to happen, right? We're going to overcompensate. And that it's true in our bodies too, right? Like it's how we hold tension. Like if we don't feel strong, then we like tense up to hold our things secure um, and being able to loosen where those tension points are is actually necessary to build the strength. But the the balance between what will like magic uh like unpredictable the the collective whatever the universe god however you want to frame it that like there has to be space for that to like drive things how they will and that like if you go too hard and you have too much rigidity and too much structure, then those things don't have space, and then they overcompensate. And then there's a, there's a power struggle, right? And then you're like, why is everything bad keep happening? Like, because you have to, like, have a little bit less control. And it's that the same idea that, like, you were explaining in terms of, like, wanting to be in relationship, right? It's like ha- knowing that, like, there is going to be mystery and that as, like mortal creatures with skeletons in order to engage with mystery we have to like have some understanding of limits and containers and like okay this is how much i am like going into mystery right it's like a few years ago there was um this product being sold at shambhala that was an LSZ gummy, which is LS, <laughs> is like a, a cousin of LSD, um, but they were gummy. They were like a liquid core gummy, and so it was very hard for people to do like less than a whole one. So people were coming into sanctuary after having taken this drug, which operates very similar to LSD, except that it has like a fifteen to thirty-six hour active period. So 
even people who were experienced with acid got to the like 12 hour mark and they're like oh shit i think this is just what life is like now and that's terrifying right like when is this going to be over like i'm i'm ready to not be high anymore <laughs> <laughs> that's usually me at like the six hour point <laughs> right and so like you know maybe mushrooms is a better bet than lsd right it's long acting it's it's long acting and so there is a point where like we have to be able to like check back into a container or safety of like what we know and like how much we are willing to surrender right i i feel like I've learned a lot about this through kink, right? Of like, if you feel held in a dynamic, then yeah, you can do all kinds of things. But it's irresponsible to do all kinds of things if you don't feel held, right? Like, absolutely. So it's the the balancing of uh, of those pieces. Yeah, yeah, and like, okay, so my aftercare for twenty twenty three you know, like come the end of December, I don't want to burn out from having to work too hard because my aftercare toolkit isn't big enough. Mm. You know what I mean? So like I might need cuddles. I might need a glass of water. Like after kink, I'm probably more needy than I am during that hour session, truthfully. Because I'm processing. It's part of it, right? You know, I'm processing the whole year in this case. If we're talking about 2023 and kink as being <laughs> like right, so I mean, I mean, I guess I will just encourage you to titrate the care <laughs> throughout the year, right? I think that that's one of the that's one of the ideas that um, that I really challenge with kink too. The idea that like oh, it's going to be all mean, and then after them we'll play nice. It's like, mm, I don't know. I'm sort of, I'm kinky in the way that, like, I'm going to be nice while I'm mean. Like, yeah, I'm, the care is going to be, like, interspersed. I want you to tell me what you want before we even set that up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So that I know that if I'm being mean, it is, like, from so much love because it's exactly what you want. I want to know if I'm being mean, and it's not for my shadow okay? right yeah exactly i want to know that it's for you and it's not for my shadow to come mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. Yeah. or that like if that's what's coming to play that the container is built so that that's it's on purpose right of like oh yes you know like yeah i purpose yeah. i think that it is there's there can be value in like welcoming Rhea's shadow to the scene <laughs> but like not without uh informed consent absolutely yeah. yeah good um okay well we we made our way all the way from uh day sex to informed consent which i feel like is the, the full <laughs> spectrum <laughs> Um, thank you so much for coming on the show. Before we wrap things up, I want to offer you space of like share how people find more of you or like if you have things that are going on or yeah, so things you want to promote. I am open to facilitating any individual sessions with Somatic Sex Ed if folks are in the Mokinsis area. Um I can be found on social media is the best and it's at Rhea Lance 
and that's spelled R-E-I-A-L-A-N-C-E on Instagram. Um, that's probably the best for right now, I would say. Great. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, yeah, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is fun. I, uh, I, <laughs> I have a really, like, beautiful vision of you in a Victorian house with, like, a <laughs> big gay kinky Adams family. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Good. Well, that was a great show. Thank you again, Rhea, for joining me. Uh, you have been listening to Imagination Revolution EBI. I'm Corey Doty. I release this show as often as I can. Uh, if you're interested in being a guest, send me an email. K-O-R-I-D-O-T-Y at gmail.com. I would love to hear about what you imagine for a future where our basics are covered. You can find more of what I do at my website, K-O-R-I-D-O-T-Y dot com. You can also support my work on Patreon. Same name. You'll find me there, Corey Doty on Patreon. And uh, I also host a monthly event in Mytopia called The Show and Tell. This next month coming up, the theme is B-Y-O-B. Be your own best Valentine. It's all about taking good care of number one. Hope you all are doing great. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.